This is episode 153 with David Michael. You're tuned in to Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer, Forever Athlete founder, and your personal flow coach, helping you optimize your life one conversation at a time. Today's episode, I say it every time, but we're going to really optimize your life. David's all about efficiency. Remember, you can call or text in to join the show. Any questions that pop up, feedback, 301-717-0817. We got your back no matter what. Today, I'm joined by David, the man, the le- myth, the legend, founder of Sci-Fi, world's first psychology fitness-based company. His work is at the forefront of the field. I remember when you and I first connected about a year ago, I was just blown away by the work you've done already and just watching that progress over the year. Can't wait to really highlight the interconnectedness that you found just through the body and the mind. You've really turned the the world of high performance man on its head. So with that being said, let's dive into it. David, welcome to the show. How you feeling, man? Thank you, Corey. It is great to be here, man. I am super stoked to be sharing, you know, the the airwaves, the the brain waves with a fellow high performer who's also into all the super nerdy stuff that I'm into about the brain, but then pushes his body, you know, to that extra level as well. Because as we know, it's all about the brain, the body, and the breath together. We, I was about to say, you have my full permission to go as nerdy as you want. We'll try not to to nerd out too much on stuff here today. I apologize to any <laughs> listeners now if we get way too nerdy because it is a it's a distinct possibility. We are both hardcore athletes and we look the role, but underneath that hard exterior is an extremely pocket protecting wearing glasses with the tape super nerd. <laughs> like you should right to the right of the setup here. We got like all the textbooks, all the stuff where I, I love to just dive into, I'm sure. You're the same way. How did you first kind of come about? What what was it? What came first to you actually? Was it psychology or was it fitness? So it's actually fitness. Um, okay. You know, I've been I've been working out now for about you know I'm about to turn 43 uh, in November. I've been working out since I was 13, so I got about three decades of fitness going on um, in my background. And that the cool little quick story behind that one is it actually started because I got diagnosed, I had, you know, my own illness, actually, I had my own virus, you guys can look it up. If you spell my last name, you can find a virus there. Uh, I had an unknown virus, and they had never seen it before. And it put me in the hospital for about a week. uh, And I withered away to like 90 pounds. uh, And I remember my, thank God, my cousin who played for the University of Miami football team, actually, you know, wasn't on one of the championship teams came to see me and, and, you know, it was the massive linebacker dude. And I was like, you know, I want to, I can't feel like this anymore. And he's like, all right, when you get out, I'll bring you to the gym. And I started like weight, like old school Arnold Schwarzenegger weight Mm. training, um, in a, in a very like ironclad gym, um, like that at 13. And so that propelled me, you know, and we'll get into it. Um, you know, I started snowboarding that year as well. So I've been doing that for 30 years. Uh, and I, I worked my way up to be one of the highest recruited baseball players in New York State, uh, Division One scholarship athlete. Uh, and then, you know, I would say I'm a pretty fairly high level rock climber uh, and snowboarder now, uh, pretty good Thai boxer. And then uh, I would say intermediate surfer at best. Surfing is still serving me humble pie almost every time I go out. <laughs> I love it. It's like in 
I mean, I think for a lot of athletes, like fitness is kind of intertwined into our blood. Um, I love that you have found your way into these like extreme action sports too. It's not just because, I mean, I looked for me with swimming, I was like, oh, I'm in this like little container. To me, I'm like open water ocean swimming is this extreme action sport. (laughs) There's no (laughs) black lion. I can't see anything. (laughs) Lord knows what's out there. Um, What, what made you just attracted and drawn to all of the things that you just listened? Because they're not the average, they're not the the normal sports that people kind of get into. Yeah. So here's nerd alert. We're going to get a nerdy for a second. Uh, as you know, Corey, each one of us has a neuromodulator that we gravitate towards, right? Mm. Whether that's cortisol, serotonin, dopamine, GABA, it depends on your personality, it depends on what neuromodulator you go towards. Um, judging by, you know, the kind of, you know, interactions that we've had pretty sure yours is like mine, which is dopamine, you know, and dopamine is a, yeah, I can't get enough of it. You know, it's the anticipate it's anticipation neuromodulator, just a little heads up for all you guys who think it's the actual novelty one. Um, when we do things, it's actually anticipation of that novelty. And so yet for me, you know, getting into snowboarding at such an early age was in you know anticipation there was there was nobody snowboarding back then like if you saw one snowboarder on the mountain you were automatically drawn to that person because there was mm. no one else doing it you know you were kind of the outcast um and then when i started when i got into like climbing and then tie boxing and then ultimately surfing just realized like there's such an incredible risk factor i mean and you know this is an ocean swimmer hello there's things out there that want to eat you Right. You can, I've almost, I've literally come one second from my life of drowning while I was surfing. Um, snowboarding, like you're on a mountain, you could fall off that mountain. You can get hurt really bad. Tie boxing, you get in the ring with someone who wants to literally punch your lights out. So um, you kind of take that, that anticipation of what could happen to you. It's, some, it's like a fear inducing thing, but then find ways to control it. Right. Or mm. to reel it in. And all of a sudden your brain just lights up like a Christmas tree and you are ready to go. And so that's also why I brought it into sci-fi, which is that, you know, as you're a flow state kind of connoisseur, one of the best ways to get in a flow state is to challenge someone enough to get them super, super Mm -hmm. present. Uh, And I work with mostly corporate high performers. So you're looking at people who have trouble being like fully there sometimes, right? Particularly when it comes outside of work. But if you put them in a very quote unquote, dangerous situation, but make them feel safe at the same time, you can spike that dopamine, lower the cortisol and get that prefrontal cortex super online. Um, So yeah, for me, it was kind of a natural progression, dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. And then as I moved, you know, throughout my career, like I got into, you know, rock climbing, I got snowboarding in New York, rock climbing while I was living in Texas and then surfing when I was living in Australia. Uh, It just kind of was a natural progression um, through my life to get to gravitate towards these amazing sports. I was about to say, you're just like, it's a new challenge depending on the environment, basically is what I'm hearing there. <laughs> exactly. And it puts, you know, it puts you out in nature, which I'm a huge fan uh, mm-hmm. of nature and, and the healing uh, powers of that as well. A hundred percent. I was about to say, I'm, I'm a little annoyed that you reminded me that there are things out there in the ocean that want to eat me. Like I'm really working on that fear factor of like, Hey, like it's going to be okay. If I go out there, <laughs> um, it's yeah, but going out in groups, by the time this was aired, I actually talked about an experience where I went out with a group and quickly realized they were not at the same skill level as me. I turned around and I was completely solo, like 300 oh, meters okay. off of the shore. And I was like, all right, um, I guess I'm going to get over this fear real quick today. 
yeah. otherwise <laughs> i don't know what else i'm gonna like i have no other options um yeah i like well, can it. i give yeah oh, go ahead no, I was going to say, if I can kind of give you two, um, you know, points that were given, one was learned and one was given to me about ocean swimming or particular surfing. Let's for do me. it. I'm all ears. It may help. So when I moved to Australia, I had the same fear. You know, I'm, I'm living in one of the most shark ridden places in the world. And one of my great friends said to me, he's like, mate, just listen. He's like, just realized no matter what, within a hundred meters, there's a shark near you. And he, he goes, and he said that and I, was, I said, there, I'm like, what? And I had to just kind of take that in just to know like they're there. Uh, and then when I realized doing shark cage diving in South Africa, you know, we studied them for a while before they allowed us to dive with them. They had, they want nothing to do with us. Really. They really, really don't. Uh, and when you kind of get up that close and personal and learn about them, you realize that any of these things that we see are kind of Hollywood eyes they are glorified. Uh, and yeah. for the most part, we're super safe out there. Uh, so yeah, if that helps any a little bit, Corey, if you just go out there and, you know, do your thing. <laughs> A hundred, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I live in the land of everything. It's now Hollywood <laughs> and not, not Literally. what it seems. You know what I mean? Like you got to take everything with a grain of salt. Um, I, I forget where I was going to go with it and ask you uh, next question there. But so I've, obviously fitness was kind of intertwined into your life very early on. When did yeah. psychology start to become like this peak interest for you? Is it in school? Yeah, it would have been, um, I think it was my, my freshman, second semester freshman year of undergrad. And I was, I originally started off as a pre-med major and I wanted to be a physical therapist, uh, originally, you know, same. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, this makes sense. I'm going to go to school. I want to stay in athletics. Um, at the time I, I was still, you know, holding on to my dream of being a professional baseball player. And mm -hmm. I said, oh, this would be a great transition. And I took my, you know, a psychology one-on-one course. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Uh, so it took me about another year before I officially changed my major to psychology. But man, I fell in love with it. Um, it was just, I, I don't know, it was just the most interesting thing I've ever heard of at that point. Um, you know, I was studying the body at that point and not so much the brain. And then I got more into the brain. And I said, oh, this is where I want to be. And, you know, end up changing my major, doing a double major, double minor, ultimately for undergrad, and then went on to get my master's in psychology as well, uh, where I was able to actually mold the program to be exactly what I wanted to. So that was a big blessing. Uh, and that kind of brought me into my, my first career, which was uh, as a litigation psychologist um, and, and, you know, spending 13 years there. Sounds super sexy. Sounds like a really fun job. <laughs> How was that experience? Um, it was incredible, Corey. Uh, I loved it. You know, I, I didn't even know that that field existed until mm -hmm. I was in grad school. And then, you know, having, and you know, the value of this, right. Having mentors, right. Having people that you can look up to and want to help you. Uh, I had, uh, the, the head of the program was a mentor of mine and she said, Hey, I read this article about, you know, uh, litigation psychology. I think you would like it. And I read it and I go, Oh my gosh, that's what I want to do because I had gone into grad school with the, with the impression of being a, a federal agent. I want mm. to be a federal law enforcement agent. And uh, I completely let go of that and said, nope, this is what I want to do. Uh, Mar Marymount University, which is where I went to under uh, grad school in DC, was yeah. cool enough to let me literally carve the program out to be that, to be just around litigation psychology, which is super cool now because now they're, they are the foremost master's program in the country for litigation psychology built on the program that I put together. So shout out to Marymount for letting me do that and now carrying that forward, you know, 
almost 20 years now, um, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Another connection that I don't even think we knew when we first met, I was living in Arlington, like five minutes from Marymount's campus. (laughs) (laughs) No way. I love it. Small world, man. Small world. That's awesome. So it's, it's nothing new to you for it to be at the forefront of a certain space and like kind of pave the way, huh? Actually, like when you say it that way, I, the more that I think about it, it, it's true because I, I paved the way for that program. Like no one had ever done that before. Now that's the program they use. Um, I happened to get involved with literally a pioneer in the field of um, litigation psychology, uh, this, this woman named Margie Fargo. Um, and I begged her for an internship, literally begged her. And she finally relented. And she was one of the, like the OGs of litigation psychology, literally when people that started the industry. So it's really cool to be able to work with someone like that. And then at the time, nobody knew what the hell I even did was like, no one understood it. It's, mm. it's a little bit more common now. Um, Cause it's been around since the seventies. Uh, but yeah, super, I loved it, man. Like you said, it's kind of super sexy. It was like, you know, I was, I was working on billion dollar cases, bet the company, you know, bet the person's life on this kind of stuff, you know, working with some of the foremost experts in their fields all over the world, like the most pressurized courtrooms, you know, the, the most brilliant litigators in the country. And um, yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I loved it. And I was, I was fortunate to be really good at it and get some really great opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's where also I started, you know, when I quit it the first time, and I'm sure we'll get into that and came back to it the second time is when I kind of started realizing um, one, that wasn't me anymore, but two, the toll it had taken on me in order to get to that level. What was that like to like, what got you to that point to say, one, I'm going to walk away and then to come back. And then the three ultimately say, oh, I need to leave this all together. Like I've, it's kind of served its purpose in my life. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, um, I followed what I call the societal blueprint, right? Mm-hmm. The blueprint that we're, we're pretty much all given in Western culture is, you know, follow this blueprint and you will be happy. You know, go to, go to high school, get good grades, get into a good college, go to college, get good grades, get out of there, get, get a good job or go to grad school. Again, work your butt off, get good grades, do what you got to do, you know, get the, get the, um, the, the salary, get the apartment, get the car, get the girl, right. Get the, get the business card name, get the corner office and voila, you will be happy. And I got the, I got all of that at around 29. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting all of it and I remember going, wait a minute, there's got to be more. Did I forget because, the happiness somewhere? Like, did it, Yeah. I did I, and, and that was the weird part. Like I, I was, I was living the dream. I had this loving, had a loving family, incredible friends traveling the world. I wanted for nothing, Corey, literally wanted for nothing, but something was missing. And I didn't really understand what that was at the time, but I knew just something was missing. And my, I have been, you know, up at that point, I've worked, you know, 121 hour weeks. I worked like 40, was it 46? No, 44 hours straight before. Like I put some, yeah, crazy, you know, time in and, and was, you know, also rewarded for being very good at what I did and worked really hard. Um, but again, there was just something really missing. And it took me losing my grandmother at the time uh, to cancer. Uh, to really realize who was someone who helped raise me mm-hmm. that life isn't all about the societal blueprint. It wasn't about your resume. There was more to it. 
So what I decided is that at the peak of my career at that point in time, I decided I was going to quit. Literally, just quit. I was going to take a year sabbatical and I always wanted to live in the mountains and I always wanted to travel the world, right? I wanted to travel more and do a bunch of volunteering with one of my good friends who has a um, nonprofit based in Southeast Asia to get kids out of, tra- out of sex trafficking. And so I put my resignation in, uh, shocked my boss because I was, I was the youngest consultant ever hired in their mm. company's history. Uh, actually, that happened with both the companies I worked for, youngest consultant ha- ever hired. So I was, I was on a really good trajectory, right? Like I was on the trajectory that everyone want, but I, I was, I guess, fortunate enough to realize at a young age um, that that wasn't going to work. So, um, you know, new month, new year, new decade, January 1st, 2010, uh, sold all my stuff. And I moved to Whistler, British Columbia, Canada, uh, one of the most beautiful places in the world, in my opinion. Uh, happened to be there for the Winter Olympics, which was amazing. So I had to participate in that as well. Um, spent six months there just literally being a snowboard bum because I really wanted to reset my life. Uh, and I never been able to do something like that before. I just, again, followed the blueprint. Mm-hmm. Work hard, go to the next thing, work hard, go to the next thing, get all the stuff, work hard. It never stopped me. It was like that hamster wheel. Uh, and then traveled the world, like literally did around the world uh, once, <laughs> got back, realized one year wasn't enough, <laughs> did it one more, did it another time, went back to Whistler, six months, went around the world one more time, uh, you know, and this was volunteering, you know, seeing some stuff that was really difficult, like seeing what true abject poverty looks like. Like I had no idea. I mean, I grew up, you know, um, I would say like lower middle class. So like I knew what po- poor looked like in the United States in New York, but I didn't know what like real poverty looked like until you get into like a third world country and in some of like the most destitute places in those countries. And I saw real poverty. I saw real abuse. I saw like how humans have just been discarded. And I realized like, that's what I was missing. I was doing something to help others make money and make me money and build prestige and fame and fortune, chasing all the things that we're told to, but I wasn't actually making a difference on a world basis, like a global basis. And I had no idea that's what it was. And now I can feel it coming up at me right now, even as we speak about it. So I know that's what it was. Um, so, you know, fast forward, I try, I, uh, I'll, you want me to go through the, the timeline up until let's go like, for it. Okay, go. Let's I'll, go I'll, for I'm it. Let it rip. I'm trying to condense as much as possible. There's a lot in there, but, uh, so I end up doing, doing the world traveling for another year. And, um, I kind of came back and I was like, I, 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 I'm trying to remember where I was. I may have been in England at the time. And uh, I had no, I was about to go back to the, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Two years. I still haven't figured you know, it out. Mm-hmm. And one of my good friends is like, Hey mate, what are your plans? I go, I don't really know. He's like, why don't you move to Australia and let's try to start this nonprofit together. Okay, cool. Why not? Never been to Australia. Let's, let's go there. And these were good friends that I met while living in Whistler. So went down there. And now when I look back, this was the first iteration of sci-fi. You know, I was working with uh, at-risk Aboriginal kids using Muay Thai as a conduit to help them have leadership skills, help them get rid of this cathartic anger and rage that they had from being oppressed and not having male role figures. And, you know, the Aboriginals have a very similar kind of uh, problems that most native natives do you know things of like alcohol and drug abuse um you know being suppressed like all this kind of stuff so um i was working with them and you know fortunately 
which I didn't realize at the time. I thought it was very unfortunate. It, it didn't work out because of visa issues and, and you know, mm-hmm. business licensing and things like that. So I was actually forced to come back to the U.S. Uh, and I didn't want to, but apparently I needed to. Um, so I come back and, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to pivot into nonprofit jobs. So I'm like, okay, I know what I got to do. I got to do something that has a purpose to it, right? I got to be making the world a better place. And I just got rejection letter after rejection letter after rejection letter, Corey. It was terrible. This is when actually people sent letters, by the way. So to give me a timeline here. It wasn't just here. an email. It was. <laughs> no, these were like straight up like hard written, you, you suck, we don't want you, <laughs> letters from dozens of companies. And lo and behold, this company from New York reaches out and they go, hey, we noticed that you have this really big background in litigation psychology. We're looking for someone to take over this multi-million dollar company. Would you be interested? It's like, oh. Like one, I don't want to move back to New York. <laughs> Two, I don't want to go back to that field. However, three, no one's knocking on my door and my bank account is very, very small now after you know traveling the world for three years and trying to start your own nonprofit. So I went back and you know again though, Corey, this became now the new height of my career, my former career. You know, six-figure salary, the bank account, the apartment in New York, the car. I had the girl literally traveling all over the world again, the corner office, being you know, young white male, being groomed to take over a multi-million dollar company. So if you looked at my resume now, you're like, holy, you have everything I would have ever wanted. And now you have even more than last time. And you know, the shine of that lasted for about a year and a half. And then I fell into uh, suicidal depression, despite having everything that I was told that I needed and wanted. How did that get to that point? Because I feel like to, to most listeners, they're like, I don't get it. If, <laughs> <laughs> you know Me what I mean? I, I think, yeah. I mean, I think now we're in a, a different climate, a different culture. Uh, conversation Mm -hmm. as a whole, the collective consciousness is becoming a little bit more aware of that. It is possible for surface level success to exist with suicidal depression in the same breath. Like they are not strictly sand in the line. They can't exist in the same space. What drove you there? Was it, uh, I won't even speculate. Like what, what drove you there? Yeah. So, you know, this is the only, I only have hindsight bias on this now, right? Because at the time it didn't make any sense. So again, you looked at my life and you go, okay, he's got a loving family. He's literally traveling the world. He's doing whatever he wants. Like one of the good things I negotiated with my boss was unlimited time off because we worked so hard. I wanted to be able to decompress, you know, we call, you know, work hard, play hard, recover hard. Um, I wanted to decompress. And so, I had that. I had the salary. I had everything. Again, there was nothing I, I did. There's nothing that you could have said to me like, David, what do you really, what do you really need right now? Is nothing. But what I realized again, and again, I was still an active volunteer with my friends, the nonprofit. You know, after this was after being in Asia for mm-hmm. Southeast Asia for a while, so still very active with that. I was volunteering in a bunch of groups in New York City to to kind of placate that. You know, Sandy Relief and all this kind of Hurricane Sandy Relief, all these kind of things. But what I didn't realize is that I wasn't doing what I was put on this earth to do. Mm. 
you know, I believe no matter what your spirituality beliefs are, is that I believe there is a God. I don't know who he is or what is it, male, female, doesn't matter, doesn't have a name, but we were all put on here for a purpose. And that purpose is what life is all about, is trying to find that purpose and then stepping into it with courageousness, not fearlessness, because fearlessness doesn't exist. You're going to be scared, but you're going to saddle up anyways, as John Wayne said about, about you know, courage. Um, and so I was so out of line with that. And I remember literally, you know, on these winter mornings in New York, waiting for the train to go up to go up to my office, just, you know, literally like, you know, I'm sitting here in a beautiful, amazing Sue. And I got everything. There's nothing I don't, I don't need anything, man. I'm going to my corner office, right. And a job that pays me a ton of money. And I remember just like in just such pain, such pain that I couldn't take it anymore. I remember looking down the tracks and like just hanging my foot over the tracks and just going, man, I still get tears in my eyes thinking about it now. It's like, you could end all this pain and suffering right now. You just have to literally lean in. That's all you got to do is lean in and you can end all the pain and suffering. Cause I, I mean, I'm talking, it took, it was, it was, if it wasn't for my girlfriend at the time and my godmother and my therapist, there was no way I would have gotten through what I got through. Like it was hard enough to get through an hour on those days, mm. let alone a day, a week, a month, a year and a half of this. And so, and this is again, 2014, you're looking at. So again, not the collective consciousness that we have now around this stuff. Mm. And I just realized I was so out of alignment and um, I was seeing my, I was seeing a therapist at a time. I'm a big believer in psychology. That's why, that's why I coined the term psychology fitness. It's a psychology first program. Um, and then what I started doing is I started creating what is now our sci-fi system. You know, it's been clinically proved or scientifically proven with nearly 4,000 participants to be over 98% effective. I had been testing it at that point, but I had no idea. I had mm. no idea what the hell I was doing at that point. I was just trying to fix myself because I had, but then, then once I got, you know, we know this, once you're out of the amygdala fight or flight, your prefrontal can come back on. So once I got out of fight or flight mode, my prefrontal cortex started seeing all these patterns in my life and all the people, you know, I've been incorporated th for 13 years at that point at the highest level. So I had seen some of the most successful people who are just killing it, like talking billionaires, right? But seeing how out of alignment they were in their, their health, their wealth, and their relationships, right? Realizing they had their physical, mental, and emotional fitness was terrible, Right. We call about the five fundamentals. They're eating, they're moving, they're breathing, they're sleeping, they're focused way out of whack. And I said, oh, my God, these people have been around me the entire time. And I had been one of them, but I wasn't aware enough to know. Mm -hmm. And that's when sci-fi started turning in my brain and I started creating the system. And then I started, I healed myself. Then I started reaching out to people that I loved and said, hey, listen, I want to show you something. And now I was doing this still within the crucible of my old job, but I, I had been trying to check out for about a year at that point. Um, and thank God, thank God, my boss, God bless her. She calls me into the office one day and she's like, David, clearly you're not happy. I was like, wow, it's that obvious, huh? <laughs> she goes, and she's like, yeah, she goes, you know, we need to call this what it is. And I go, yeah, you're right. And so for the first time in my life, Corey, I was fired. And thank God I was given the push that I wouldn't give myself.
Because sometimes we need people to do that for us or something bigger than us. And then that propelled me, you know, five years later, here we are with sci-fi, which is, you know, touching people literally all over the globe. Like I said, uh, mm -hmm. uh, a, a scientifically validated system, nearly 4,000 participants come through it, 98% effective. And we're just getting started, brother, on our way to 10 million, man. man. So there's I a know. nutshell. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one, I... I want to just acknowledge you and appreciate the the full transparency to to go some places there that most people don't want to go. Um, so I appreciate that, and I mean, so many thoughts <laughs> come to <laughs> to my mind around everything. I think, I mean, one, I, I think the real question I have because I struggle with it a lot is getting okay with quitting even if it's something that is like absolutely terrible for you, I think mm -hmm. athletes have it wired in them from a very early age. Don't quit. Keep going. Yep. It gets better. It gets better. But clearly something, sometimes it doesn't always get better. How did, do you think you would have ended up quitting or do you think this was like a sign from above that you got fired? That oh, <laughs> dude, pure, in the right pure. Direction? Yo, pure divine intervention, man. Because like I had been looking, I had been checked out for close to a year, actively looking for other jobs for six months, um, but I had no clue what I would do. And so mm. here you are again, societal blueprint, right? You can't quit something where you're making six figures. You're literally like corner office the whole nine. You don't quit that with no idea where you're going, like mm. literally no idea where you're going. So I mean, again, like that, 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 that is all the programming that we have. That was the program I had as a high level, you know, division one, you know, mm -hmm. semi-pro athlete. That was the condition that I have of being in corporate for 13 years. The condition I had of growing up with not a lot, then all of a sudden making it up to a higher, you know, much higher class of living and state of living. You know, those are like the antithesis is the, mm -hmm. is the quit or leave or whatever. You know, I did the first time, you know, there's again, divine intervention, um, that happened at this mega church in Texas. I can talk more about that if you'd like. Um, but uh, this time around, yeah, for sure. Like, cause I wouldn't, you know, my girlfriend at the time, she's like, why don't you just quit? Why don't you just quit? And God bless her. She's an amazing support system. Um, and she was just brave as can be. Like she didn't mind resetting her life and doing things. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was like, no way, no way. Oh my gosh, no way. I can't, I can't yeah. do that. Not even an option. I was about it's to like say it's, it's like it's literally killing you though. I'm like, I know, but I can't leave. Yeah, but this <laughs> is more of a death. Like this is a more, I mean, it's an ego death that happens when you step yeah. away. You don't have anything there. Uh, I resonate with that so hard when it was like when I gave up on the physical therapy dream, it was like one, well, one. <laughs> It wasn't really mine to give up. I got the rejection letter. The rejection letter. <laughs> Don't worry, they were still sending those by mail. Uh, back uh, cheers to that. that was they're kind enough for paper. Yeah, that's better than just ghosting you all together, right? Like you never hear back. <laughs> just like, but I, yeah. I spent months on these applications. <clears throat> you can't tell me one way or another. Um, but it is, it's something about that, right? And then there's almost this shame that you feel because you were looked up to, because you were the person that always had it figured out among probably your friend group, your family, all that. It's you're like sitting with this guilt and the shame of like, 
but I don't have it figured out. I can't, mm. I can't show that to them because mm-hmm. I'm, it, it's going to totally completely turn on its head who they think they think that I am. Like, how, Oh yeah. Yeah. Wild. I mean, I, the way I looked at it is, you know, uh, so it, it, have you ever seen a paper mache statue before? Mm-hmm. Right. So if you know paper mache, it's extremely thin. It's extremely not. It's nothing. There, there's literally nothing inside. Right. That was me. Super stoic all together on the outside because mm-hmm. that's who I had to be. Right. That was, uh, you know, the masks that I was wearing for so long because I had to be this person. But inside, man, I had nothing. I was crumbling. I was I was literally a, a weeping child on the inside because um, I had no idea what's going on. I was scared. I was everything. Uh, and now I have, and I have no problem talking about it because I want other people to be inspired by my story and mm-hmm. what I've and what we've created here at Sci-Fi in order to say like, yeah, man, I want to recalibrate too. And maybe you don't have to quit your career. I'm not saying that there's other ways of doing it, but there's options now, man. Like there's different, and there's also different ways of doing this, right? You don't have to necessarily go to therapy like everyone else. You don't have to go and work out till you throw up. You don't have to go into yoga and ayahuasca retreats and all this other kind of stuff. Like I literally created this program for high performers, like high performing times, time starved corporate people. Cause I was mm-hmm. one of them for 13 years. Like I know that. And I was like, <clears throat> if you talked about breath work to those people, they, they laugh at you meditation. They're like, I tried that. I, I, I hate it. Right. I don't have time Psycho- it. Yeah. Psychology. You want me to talk to my, talk about my, my daddy issues with a complete stranger. Like are you out of your mind? I'll talk to my wife about that kind of stuff. So it's like taking all that and just going, yeah, I get it. You know, and, and that goes into, you know, um, one of our founding principles, which is meeting people wherever they are physically, mentally, and emotionally. Mm. Like I actually know how to do that because I've been there. And that's what I want people to do is feel safe, which is our first principle is that we create a safe space for you physically, mentally, and emotionally. Because as you know, as a mindset coach, if someone doesn't feel safe, optimization is not even close. You know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs won't even let you get close to that. Yeah. I was about to say, it's not even possible. Like there needs to be there needs to be vulnerability on both sides, I think, first and foremost. Obviously, you have that. Um, yeah, and through your story. I'm not, I'm not ashamed. Not ashamed to to share it anymore. Because, and I'll, I'll I'll just say this one little last thing is one of the biggest things that I've had to work on over the last couple of years. Right, and I've been doing my own personal development journey for about twelve years. Um, sci-fi, I've been through for five years. Is that I thought being vulnerable meant I was weak. So I, in psychology, we call it coupling, right? You couple them together. Vulnerability equals weakness. And for the longest time, that was my mantra. So I could never really be fully vulnerable. Like you said, how can you show this to other people? And it was really tough because when I got fired and started this, you know, I was still friends with all my friends who we were all in grad school together, doctors, lawyers, like now they've been doing this for a long time. They're all really successful. I became, you know, the low guy in the totem pole over against somebody ego deflating. Oh my God. Yeah. You're like showing then, up to the high school reunions and you're like, Oh, what's David doing? Well, he's just kind of figuring out his life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so like, that was a big one for me, like having to go, wow, here's my peer group. Literally these are like my best friends and they're all super successful. They've been doing this for like, you know, at this point, 15, 20 years. Mm. And so for me, I had to like, again, go that vulnerability and go, you know what? You know what vulnerability actually is? It's freaking strength. 
It's mm. the ultimate version of confidence I think you can have. And like, you know, I think you would relate. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of the one of the warrior people of the tribe. And I was like, what if you could walk onto the battlefield and you're so confident in who you are and your abilities, you can literally tell someone, here's my Achilles heel. Here's the only place you can actually hurt me. I freaking dare you to try. That's how good I am. That's how confident I am. That's how much inner arrogance I have that that's, I'm telling you what my vulnerabilities are. Mm. And when people hear that, they're like, whoa. And they become inspired by it. I've cried so many times with my clients, right? I've cried in front of my staff so many times. And I would have thought that would make me less. It actually makes me more and connects us so much closer together. So yeah, that's been one of the big things is like weakness. Nah, vulnerability, man. That's the biggest thing of strength you could have. Yeah. I mean, it, it ultimately, it further cultivates that sense of belonging, whether that is in the client, you know, coach relationship or you and your employee relationship. But I think that, I mean, that truly creates a space where they can fully be themselves. And that's, I mean, coming back, coming from the, the flow side of things, like, obviously that's going to be very, very like nudge, nudge. Hey, like you can get into flow a little bit easier now because you're not hiding anything. <laughs> you have nothing to worry about. You can literally lay down that mental brick, that physical brick, like whatever brick that you are carrying, even if it's not one that is seen. You can lay that down here and it's okay. We see it. Like we'll talk about it. And now it doesn't have that power over you anymore. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it, it reminds me of, uh, you know, Carl Jung. You know, Carl Jung is one of the, the, the OGs of psychology. And he talks about it, it, the, the shadow, like our mm. shadow self, right? And, and everyone can relate to this. Now the shadow self is the guy or girl that you don't want people to see right? Mm -hmm. The weak one, the vulnerable one, the one that's done all those nasty things, said all those bad things that you've said, right? We, that, that's, that's, a, that's a human experience. But like what Carl Jung talks about, and, and it was, I, I believe in Jungian psychology a lot, is about embracing that shadow, mm. embracing the, the, who you are. And for me, it's been, you know, as my profile photos kind of shows this, this bifurcation of who I used to be, right? Mm -hmm. I used to be the guy in the suit in the courtroom all the time, but then I was always this, always this athlete as well and going out and doing all this stuff. And, you know, as uh, Shakespeare says, never the twain shall meet is kind of what I thought in my head because people at work couldn't see, you know, crazy snowboarder, rock climber, dirtbag, you know, David. And then people at the, at the crag or in the water on the mountain wouldn't relate to suited up David. Like that was a totally different person. But what I started breaking down, you know, and sci-fi really helped me with this. And the sci-fi system really broke this down for me is what I call the dichotomy of David is that I can be both weak and strong. I can be both good and bad. I can be both right and wrong. You can be that person mm. and you're still worthy of everything. And that's one of the things I try to like, express to people because that is beaten out of us as children or ripped out of us. And then as adults, it's indoctrinated into us over and over again. And I fell into that trap for a long time. And I said, it led me to be at the height of my career. I would argue maybe the height of anyone's career at, at that level to literally be suicidally depressed, thinking about taking my life by just falling into a train in New York city. And, and my goal in life 
now I know my purpose. Mm. My purpose is that no one will ever feel like that ever again in the same circumstance that I was. And that's why sci-fi has our, has our mission of reaching 10 million people with the sci-fi mm. system. Cause I have way too many physical, mental, and emotional scars. And I want people to learn from those because you go through it yourself. Maybe you do lean into that train and you don't make it out the other side. And that to this day still gets tears in my eyes and I will do anything in my power to help anyone I come in contact with never, ever come that close. It's beautiful. It's always, it's really refreshing to come across other founders of different things that various things, it doesn't matter what the, the product, the service, whatever it is, but truly believe in the work that they're doing. Like they're not, it's not just like drop shipping fulfillment. They saw that people buy toothpaste, toothpaste. So they went to Alibaba in order to shit on toothpaste and started now their Amazon store and they're drop shipping toothpaste to people. It's like, you've truly found a way for lack of a better term to turn your personal pain into a higher purpose that it's, it's not about you. Like, I, I love that it's sci-fi. Like it's not, Hey, this is, <laughs> it's not another <laughs> virus named after your last name. Like this is David, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's sci-fi. It is something bigger than you. And I think that there's just some true beauty in that for, for those curious about what actually sci-fi is. Can you kind of give us a little bit of a, your elevator pitch? I don't think it fits into one <laughs> elevator pitch, but it, you know it better than I do. Yeah. Uh, the way I look at this is, you know, um, think about for the first time having your own clinical psychologist, personal trainer, life coach, breathwork teacher, and med- meditation instructor all in one. Instead of having to wait months or even years for results, you get them in 75 minutes or less with a 90, over a 98% effectiveness rate. So again, time, we look at time starved people. We're all, all of us want more time in our day. Who doesn't want more time? So it's like, I'm, a, I'm literally a five in one. I am, specific, I am specifically trained in all of these aspects. I've been doing them for anywhere from up to, up to 30 years, right? I have the certifications. I have the education. I have the degrees. But who wants to go see five people? That's minimal five hours, right? Mm-hmm. And then God, depending on where you live. The trains that's, that's, and the... Yeah, that, that's, yeah, then that's thousands of dollars you're paying for to see these people. And I was like, no, 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 no. No one's got time for that. It was like, we'll break it down into 75 minutes or less, depending on our, our like what program you're in. And you get all of that. So you're going to get someone who understands how to work, work your mind. You get someone who's going to train your body. You get someone who gets, who can put your breath into sync. You're going to get takeaways. You're going to get a training plan. Like I, like we've thought of just every single step here. And here's the cool part. And these are the two other founding principles that we have that I didn't mention. If it's not fun, we don't do it. You know this, Corey, our brains are not wired from an evolutionary perspective to do things that we don't like long-term. That's why yeah. fitness crazes and diets and fads don't work. They're terrible. Stop doing those people. Stop doing them. Come see Corey. Come see me. Get off of those terrible things you're doing because those are not sustainable. Right. And then the fourth founding principle we have is that we simplify the science because mm. everything that Corey and I nerd out on is really hardcore science rooted in decades, if not centuries of research and tooling and, and, tw- and twiddling around. 
And now we get it. And I put it all into a package and go, we're going to have fun doing this. It's going to be simple. I was going to meet you where you are and I'll make you feel safe. And that's it. And then mm. we get to have fun. Cause, cause again, like you see how I get, I get super yeah. pumped up by this stuff. This is like, so this is my purpose, man. Like I'm just getting, I end up talking about it, let alone when I do it, got to see me in front of clients. Man, as better say, it's hard to fake passion. It's hard to fake energy. <laughs> it's, it's truly, it is really, truly cool to see the progression of it. Cause I, I, we talked on the phone a few weeks ago and we what met for the first time about middle of 2020. I want to mm -hmm. say like through our mutual friend, Nick Pags. shout out, Nick. Yeah, Great shout guy. out Nick. Uh, and it, it was just, it was so cool. Cause I remember hopping off that and Nick kind of shot me a message afterwards. He goes, check out David, like check out his stuff. Like if you haven't connected with them already, like you got to connect with this guy. Like he's doing some really, really cool stuff. And I was like, all right, man, cool. If you say so. <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't wrong his intuition was, was spot on dude it's it's really cool to see where what's next for you guys what programs are you rolling out i know you mentioned a couple to me geared towards more the entrepreneur more the the actual high-performing athlete that's still in athletics correct yeah yeah we're so um the i would say the blessing about having the mission that we have and, and the passion that, that I bring is that I get to work with some incredible individuals and we've been just working literally 60 to 80 hour weeks since COVID hit like every week, nonstop. And so we have, you know, we just released our corporate training program for corporate high performers. Uh, I got a few of those lined up. I talked about earlier, just you and I offline about that those coming up. So we have a corporate training program that's active right now. We have our athletes program that's going to launch next year. Uh, we just, I just finished putting together, we're doing the marketing for it right now, our entrepreneurial training program. Um, of course, have our one-on-ones, our workshops and our classes that have been going on. Uh, and so we got those going on. And then we ultimately, and this is where we're going to get our 10 million people in as we're creating the first ever psychology fitness certification program mm. where we're going to start teaching other coaches how to be psychology fitness coaches so they don't have to go you know get a four degree uh, you know go to grad school to get their psychology degree and then you know go to breathwork classes and go to meditation instructions and get their personal training certification and you know do all this stuff you know nerd out in neuroscience for a decade or so like no 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 we got you we're going to take all that stuff. We're going to put it into a nice little crucible for you. We're going to teach you how to be the, a, a, even a better coach than you already are because we're going to teach you our system. We teach you all this incredible stuff. So, yeah, that that's kind of like the next couple of years of, of programs. But, you know, most that's of them it. are going to. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's it. it. So, so, yeah. You know, uh, there's like a that? podcast going on. We got some video stuff. There's a bunch of other stuff, too. But um, let's yeah. go. Dude, yeah, I man, as, as Nick Pag would say, let's go. We got. We got, I mean, this is the thing, and you know this, Corey, because I know you're a heart-centered entrepreneur, man, um, and you're doing it for all the right reasons. Like, there's people's lives out of there that are at stake. Mm. Um, and if I go back to my buddy, Eric, whose uh, nonprofit is called Hope for the Silent Voices, you know, works in Southeast Asia, uh, getting literally children out of sex trafficking. Mm. And, you know, one of the reasons I remember, he, so when he was really struggling to do things, I was like, I was like, E, how do you? how do you keep going, man? Like you're struggling for money. You're not making anything like it's just, and he goes, he goes, he goes, I realize that if I don't wake up and do my job, people's lives are at stake. Literally mm -hmm. kids' lives are at stake. And I took that on for me 
knowing where I was in my darkest days that people's lives are at stake. And I know what I know now. And my purpose in life is to tell people what I know. So they have at least a choice. I'm not saying that sci-fi is a program for you. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a different program, but I was like, what I know and what we've proven and the people I get to work with and the population I know, I'm like, I got to at least tell you about it because if I don't, mm -hmm. you may lean into it. Like mm -hmm. I didn't. And then you don't have any other choices. And I don't want that. And I said, so it's like, I wake up every morning, like I said, through COVID, like literally it's 80 hour work weeks, dude, 80 hours. Just waking up going, got to do it. Let's go. Let's 80, go. 80 hours hits different though, when it's fueled by that dude. deeper purpose and that deeper mission. It's, dude. it's almost, I mean, and that in itself is talk about flow and, getting into something that's in alignment, like 80 hours. I mean, that's how I look at how I've been able to do what I've done and whether it be athletic accomplishments, in my life or things. Now I'm like hard work becomes easy in like this weird paradoxical way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like you have more energy. Yeah. It seems like, and I see it too on, on the social media stuff, like you're still getting out on the slopes. Like you're still, traveling yeah, and still getting things done in 80 hours it's yeah a dream it's it's it, it's is, man. it, it, <laughs> it, it, it definitely is a, is a dream in some ways but as you know building your own company building yeah. a brand out has a lot of its own challenges and you got to be you know one of the great things about the work we do Corey, is like you got to do the work on yourself too right because mm -hmm. you're going to be confronted all the time and even me the guy just came over uh you know and this is me being transparent right I had a couple weeks back, I was going, I was in a bit of a place, right? I had like a, a good week where I was just not in a good place, man. And so I had to, I had to walk the walk. I had to mm -hmm. do the things that I do. Um, <clears throat> I had to be vulnerable with myself. I had to be honest and transparent with what's going on because we're about to, we're getting, we're leveling up. And as, as uh, Nick Pags, you know, famously said, new levels, new devils, baby. So you got, you level up guys, you're going to have some new, bigger problems to face. And that's where and I go again. You know, I know Nick just had his coaching uh, mm -hmm. thing this weekend. Coaches need coaches. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Yeah. So that's the thing. Coaches need coaches. I have three coaches that I've employed, three coaches that I talk to every other week, like every other week, but like every, every week because I'm the way I space mm -hmm. them out. You can't do like, I honestly believe, and this is a, this is a pitch for every coaching business out there. Of course, for, for Corey, for yours and I and mine. For yours, but, for yours. Stop putting me in. No, there. no, both of us, man. Cause we're, <laughs> we're, we're both in the, we're both in the, the, the life-changing game together is that if people, if you really want to get to the next level, or if you want to maintain that level, or if you want to have ease and freedom and flow in that level, you got to get a coach. I hear mm. plain and simple. There is not a single successful person in the history of mankind who would say otherwise. No way. Not a chance. You got to get a coach. I love that. And I think it goes to show too, like no matter like the new levels, new devils, no matter where you're at, like this work doesn't stop in this. Like it doesn't stop getting to get be done. It's, it doesn't mean you do quote unquote the work and all of a sudden it's butterflies and rainbows <laughs> everything's great like you shit arrive, still hits quote unquote <laughs> yeah like shit still hits the fan there's gonna be days where you wake up and you're like oh my god <laughs> what the heck happened now it's just gonna be a little bit different you know what i mean it might be a more profound problem 
instead of how am I going to pay rent? It's how am I going to pay all the people that I've employed underneath me? Now they're counting yeah. on me. What's yeah. what's up? Like, I mean, I need to start getting my butt in gear here and start making <laughs> things happen. Um, David, I, I feel it. like we, we could go on forever. We'll definitely, definitely have to bring you back on the show. Maybe we'll do a, a three-part conversation, bring uh, Nick on the, the show as well. Before, Dude, love it. before we end, I got a, a couple more questions for you. One, what yeah. you're someone in my eyes that represents Forever Athlete very, very well. What does Forever Athlete mean to you? What does that first come to mind? Such a great question. Um, and honestly, it means that once you're kind of ingrained as an athlete, you can take that everywhere with you. And, and I mean, that's how, if I'm being honest, that's how I was successful in my first career. I took all the stuff that I learned as an athlete and I brought it over the discipline, the hard work, the motivation that like the doing when you don't, you know, I call it actions, driving feelings. I don't feel like doing this, but I got to do it anyways. I, so taking all those, those incredible tools and tactics and methods that we've learned from being an athlete and bringing those to everywhere in your life. All right. You know, we talk about the, the, our three, the health, wealth relationships, be the, the things that you learn as an athlete and through your coaching for forever athlete are things that will certainly work in your career. They will a hundred percent work in your relationships, not only with others, but with yourself. So yeah, for me, it just means it also, I guess this is probably the thing it means the most to me, Corey is forever training. Mm. Like you just said it, like the, the work doesn't stop, man. Cause we know just like our muscle cells, as you soon you stop using them, they start dying right? Your brain cells are the same way, by the way. So stop, you stop learning, you start dying. You stop growing, you start dying. So forever athlete, forever training, forever trying to get to that, that next level. And at the same time, rewarding yourself and being content where you are, because that's one of the biggest, I would say things that most high performers, high achievers, we forget, that's, including that's a, that's a, Ooh, that one hits home struggle, man. Yeah. I was saying, including the guy right here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I was about to say, I'm looking to my right. I got my, my wins log journal here specifically mm -hmm. just put wins down at the end of every day, trying to love it, dude. This is, there, there's my man right next to me on the left. There we go. <laughs> I was about to say, I mean, you got to take advantage of some of that positive psychology basics there and use it to your advantage. Um, Hell yeah. I love it. I mean, the first thing that came to mind there was like, you mentioned earlier that you guys are coming out with the certification program and immediately my mind went to, okay, when's that coming out? I'm signing, I'm signing up. Like I just, <laughs> yes. I, one of, one of the personal markers that I have just, and not even a marker in the sense of like, I need to measure up to that. One of the intentions I've set for myself is I want to do something that continues to grow and stretch me in various areas of my life, not just physically by signing up for crazy races and all that good stuff while I can now, but to continue to learn and learn from the best. That's why I was in Nick's coaching intensive. That's why just give me a shout whenever that comes out. I'm in, um, Hell yeah. I want to hit you with the fast five. So they're one sentence yeah, let's do it. word answers kind of rapid fire. The first one we got for you is what's your go-to podcast that you're jamming out on. Wow. Definitely the Huberman lab. Andrew Huberman, uh, you know, acquaintance of mine, probably one of the best neuroscientists in the country out of Stanford. You guys want to get nerdy? Woo, baby. 
There's no nerdier podcast out there that delivers it in such a simple way, man. So yeah, definitely Huberman podcast. I mean, he'll his he's a great follow on Instagram and social media too, where he's just like taking the most complex problems and makes them sexy and fun. And you're just like, whoa, okay, cool. Dude, I, love, I, I know yeah, how to do I a dopamine reset now and like use my breath to reset my nervous system. Sweet. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. How how good, right? That's, that's why I like. it's been cool to see him, you know, before he, I got to know him before he did any of this stuff. And so it's yeah. awesome to see, again, someone who's seriously passionate about what he's doing and has a bigger purpose. Yeah. So definitely nerding out on him all the time and tell him everyone about him. Yeah. I love it. I, I just love that personality a side note from the, the fast five that's what i'm noticing yeah. picking up in this conversation of you you're you're very much a team player um i love it yeah, number man. two what is your go-to book that you've read in the past year because i'm seeing some books behind you i'm sure oh my gosh there's some, uh, some go, good ones go to so oh man you know what i'm gonna say so the body keeps score Ooh. is a really good one i read that for the, i read that for the second time uh and but the other one though if, if especially anyone who's listening atomic habits by james clear probably if the best habit book ever written hands down mm. um yeah if you want to really change your life atomic habits is probably the best book you can ever put your hands on i love it and you're like the third i have a rule if i hear a book three times i have to finally pull the trigger because I'm asking Dude, this it. question, but body keeps the <laughs> score, just hit its third one. So I'm keeping oh. score. That's hitting the Amazon card after this. Number Good, man. Three. It's nerdy too. You'll like it. Super nerdy. <laughs> I love it. Number three, what is something that you can't live without? Oh, honestly, as a you know, forever athlete, you like, I can't live without my sports, man. Mm. I can't live without them. Like it's, you know, COVID showed me that big time. Uh, so yeah, my sports for sure. Love that answer. Love that answer. Number four is what's a quote that you live by? Mm, a quote that I live by. I love quotes too. Um, oh my gosh, that's a really good one. Corey, you got me because I'm sitting here. I'm like, I'm thinking something going. Where's the inspirational quote? It's not no, because I have so many of them. I'm like, I'm like, is it Shakespeare? Is it Thoreau? You know, is it? And then, but you know what? I think this is the one I've been trying to do the best with the most recently, because as you know, as an entrepreneur, you have so many different kind of trails you can run mm. down. Right. And it's, that's not always the best thing. So the quote I like is the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. I love that. You get that one main reminder. thing. That's, that's it, man. <laughs> Again, that one hits home. Need that reminder. It actually leads into Number five, if you could sum it up, what's your one word focus at this point in time? What is your main thing? Harmony. Mm. It's harmony, man. Um, one of the lessons I have at sci-fi is called balance is bullshit. Um, and, you know, I'll say this one quickly. You know, you and I can see each other right now because we're on Zoom, but, you know, we see each other chest up, right? And we're both sitting in chairs. Now, if our stool, let's say, you know, our, our chair was like a three-legged chair. You could knock one of those things out, and mm -hmm. you and I would still be able to balance really well because we're we're high performers, we're athletes, we've we got strong core strength. But neither one of us would be able to tell the other one's like really struggling, right? Mm -hmm. You can knock another one of those posts out, and you could be balancing on one thing, and the other and you know everyone else looks like you got your life together. 
right? And you, but you're, but you, we are struggling to keep it together, right? Because we're balancing so hard. And I've had so many clients ask me over the years, like, balance, David, balance. I want balance. I want balance. I mean, a client asked me, is like, do any of your clients have it? I go, well, have what? He goes, balance. I go, sometimes. And what I realized is not about balance, man. Mm. Balance is bullshit because we can all balance, especially the higher up, the, the better you get at stuff, you can balance, right? But you don't want balance. Think of harmony. Think of all these things in your life and the way a music sheet would be or an orchestra. An orchestra, if everyone was playing at the same time, which would be balance essentially, right? It would be a cacophony and you'd be bleeding out of your ears, right? But an orchestra has harmony. Everything is playing at the right time, in the right space, at the right note, the right cadence, at the right volume. And it just ends up being this most beautiful symphony you've ever heard, even move you to tears in some ways. I say, if you take on harmony as your word, as a high performer, you will have that beautiful life. Mm. That, was, that is beautiful in itself. <laughs> I, I, so many things came to mind. I was like, damn, with better balance almost becomes like, begs, begs the question, like, are you more balanced or are you just better at bullshitting? And like, kind Both. of, <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh man, I'm just glad I wore real pants on the, the bottom half here, even though just the YouTube video is going to be just our chest up on the, on the screen. So you're calling me out. I got a, I got a yeah. few legs here on the, the chair. Yeah. We're, we're pretty stable well, right now. It, it, yeah. It, it goes back to what we talked about before, right? Like the mask we put on, mm. you know, the way people look at us from the outside, we look like we have it all together, but you could really just be struggling like I was. And that's what I realized. And I was like, you know, the, the, that, that, um, analogy was actually given to you from a, from a good friend of mine. Mm. Right. Uh, shout out to Juan for, for, for talk to give me that one. Cause we talked about it as we were sitting across from one another. And then, you know, we talk about, you know, the health, wealth relationships and spirituality kind of being the four, the core four you want to mm. have. Most of us don't have those in, ba in balance, quote unquote, right. Or harmony. And it's like, if you don't have those things going on in your life or you're, you're harmoniously with, a, we talk about the five fundamentals, eating, moving, breathing, sleeping, and focus, mm -hmm. you're just going to be struggling internally, no matter how you look externally. Mm. That's beautiful. We're going to have so many cool, like bite-sized clips here for you. Uh, awesome. David, I just want to, again, acknowledge you. I, just, I appreciate you, your perspective, your wisdom. I'm glad we nerded out, but we didn't go too nerdy today for the for the people. Uh, for those that want to keep up with you, learn more about sci-fi, go full nerd mode, and check out all the things that you're doing. Or, as you as you do so beautifully well, keep it really simple. Where can they find you? Yeah, we are all over uh, social media at p s y f i n y c. Uh, and then our website is psyfi.nyc. We represent our, our NYC roots there. There we go. We'll have it all linked below. David, once again, man, I appreciate you. You dropped a ton of wisdom and a good amount of time, but you keep it super simple, just like you do in the programming, man. So I appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your 
what is it, Tuesday? I'm losing track of time. Is it? <laughs> Entrepreneurs, man, they're all, they're all the same. Well, Corey, thank you for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. I also want to acknowledge you for what you're building with Forever Athlete and how you are continuing to push yourself, you know, physically, mentally, and emotionally in a way that can help inspire others, and it's particularly athletes. So thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for being the stand that you are for your clients, for your community. And I'm always happy to be in kind of any conversation with you. I appreciate it, my man. For those listening in, if this inspired you, send this to a friend, send it to a teammate, send it to a family member. We're going to go further together here. Remember, you're tuned into Forever Athlete Radio. I will see you all on Monday.